Hi, I'm Anna Olson, and you're listening to We're Not Kidding, a podcast devoted to sharing stories surrounding the child-free life. As a life coach, I'm passionate about helping women feel confident and empowered in their choice not to have children. And I believe that by sharing our stories, we help break the stigma. So let's dive in. Today's episode is a really special one for me. I got to sit down with one of my dearest friends. Her name is Robin, and we've been friends for 20 years. We met in high school, and as it so happens, we are both child-free by choice. And this isn't something that we've really spent time discussing in our friendship. So I had some questions for her, and I wanted to know more about her experience as a child-free woman. And so we sat down, and we had that conversation and recorded recorded it for the podcast. So this was a super meaningful conversation for me, and I hope it is for you as well, dear listener. I'm so excited to be having this conversation with you today. Thank you, Robin, for being up for this. (laughs) In preparation for this conversation, I know we had talked a little bit two weeks ago when I was (laughs) in Asheville with you, and you made a really good point that has stuck with me. Uh, I think I asked you something like, did we ever talk about this explicitly about the fact that we're both child-free and you made the point that it was more like an absence of talking about the desire for children. And I was like, it was kind of mind blowing because it's, it's actually, yeah, that's it. I don't, cause I still can't even really pinpoint a moment where we shared this with each other. It just has been just a natural evolution almost. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it was ever breaking news. Yeah. (laughs) We weren't having kids. Yeah. Maybe we were quietly watching each other to see if that happened. But like we had talked about before, what I feel like we have talked about with each other over the years is like our, our pipe dreams to start food trucks, (laughs) lots of variations of food trucks. Um, Or to travel together, to live in the same place. We've talked about like politics and religion and family, but I can't think of a time where we daydreamed about having kids, whether that was as friends or just alone or with our partners. I can't think of that conversation. Remember that one. Yeah, me neither. And I think that you pointing that out does make sense that there was never this breaking news sort of moment in our relationship where it was like, oh, I'm not having kids for either one of us to say that to the other. It was just kind of almost just made sense, like just kind of an unspoken knowing almost. Yeah. I think we've known each other for a long time (laughs) since high school. And so I could, I could imagine you as a mom but I've never like really thought about it. Like as your friend, I think you could do anything you want to do in life. <laughs> but that's never been part of the conversation. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, it is really interesting. And I'm just so grateful. I've been thinking about how I feel like I won the friend lottery anyways, oh. because you're amazing. And we have like two decades of friendship now, which I'm yeah. just so grateful for. And every time we get together, even if it's been a while since we've spoken or seen each other in person, it just feels like so easy. Um, yeah, I agree. I I just, I don't even know. I don't even have words for it. I'm just so grateful. I agree. It's so precious. Our friendship is so precious to me. And Mm -hmm. I feel like over time we just get closer. Yeah. 
feel more distant, even if life changes and we live far apart. Right. Yeah. 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 I feel that too. Yeah. That's I don't cool. know what would have happened to our friendship if one of us had a kid. I have yeah. No idea. True. I don't know either. But also, I think it's pretty interesting to think of where we grew up small, rural, Midwest, Iowa, in Christian families. And I know that, like, it seems very prominent here that what you do is that pronatalist idea of life, um, get married, have kids, settle down, and that we both broken away from that. Um, and I really look to you, maybe I've taken a lot of cues from you over the years to me, you moving away right out of college always was really inspiring. And I guess what I'm getting at is have you come across any internalized beliefs that you've had to separate or kind of pull away from that have caused any shame or anything with being child-free or is there anything you had to sort of undo from your conditioning growing up here? Yeah, I think I'm still figuring that out, to be honest. I think, you know, as an alternative to having kids for a long time, I thought I would work in a profession where I helped kids or that if I wasn't a mom, my profession had to be important enough Mm. to like make up for not following some other purpose in life. And I'm slowly letting that go. Like I've done, you know, my background, like done a lot of work with people who've experienced a lot of trauma, have tried to do that with kids. And I'm in a place in my career where I'm trying to figure out what to do next and, or what I want to manifest. And I'm trying to let go of some of that, pull some of that out. It's a question for me of like, am I meeting, like I have this nurturance need that's not going to be met in motherhood. And do I put that into my job or into my community or friends like you? Um, I think that's how it shows up now. Definitely had to let go of like disappointing (laughs) parents and relatives. My parents have told me that they'll go, you know, catch up with people from a long time ago and they just assume that I'm married with kids. And my parents are like, no, she's not. (laughs) So there's that, there's like the, there was this expected course. A lot of people I know from high school and college took Mm -hmm. where they met their person and they got married and they had kids in their twenties or maybe now. And I just have not done any of those things. Yeah. And I think that kind of what you point to there is very true for me as well. Like it's probably an ongoing process. I'm sure there are things that maybe years from now, I will begin to untangle that I haven't even scratched the surface of yet. I suppose that is just part of life and the conditioning that we've had, but that's really cool that you are starting to make that distinction for yourself. And has there been anything that helped you with that process? I'm not sure. I think COVID really slowed everything down. And I was in this like really burnt out place with my work and which is very revolved around like helping other people and like being over nurturing and taking up all this responsibility that wasn't mine, but picking it up anyway. And COVID really slowed that down. And so I realized that was really nice not to go that fast and that hard at everything. And that let me step back and have 
just a little different perspective that it doesn't have to be that hard. Life doesn't have to be that hard. <laughs> mm. Even without having kids, right? Yeah, that's cool. I'm glad that you were able to have that slow down, have that realization. Yeah, I've worked in a lot of nonprofits and with around like a lot of martyrdom for causes, been a part of it and getting a little break, even though that's not how I would have wanted to have a break. Right. Um, was really helpful for me. I was like, oh, I liked, I really like doing other things <laughs> and connecting with people again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, something I guess I'm curious about, and again, I don't know if we've explicitly had this conversation ever. When did you know that you didn't want to have kids? I think as a kid myself, I biologically knew I never wanted to have kids. Mm. I never wanted to have kids biologically. The idea of being pregnant for that long and the pain of childbirth was not anything I've ever wanted to do. <laughs> and I think I knew that as a kid. And I have this memory of being on the bus, I don't know, pre-middle school maybe. And somebody telling me I was like a wuss for not liking pain and that I would never be a mom. <laughs> I was like, probably true. Probably true. <laughs> whatever version of bullying on the bus that was. (laughs) Um, So I have some memory of being at least that age, like late childhood, knowing that physically I didn't want to have kids. And I always thought maybe I would adopt or foster kids because that's very aligned with my values. Mm. And I love kids, but I've never been with a partner in my adult life who wanted kids. I've have my laundry list of reasons I don't want kids but I never went from like a place in adulthood where it was a bad idea to have kids like I was too young didn't have the finances wasn't in a steady relationship to a place where I had the resources and was like yeah let's do it it just like the idea of never having kids just stayed pretty consistent and for a while I was like I could be happy either way if I adopt have kids in my life or never have kids. And now I'm like, man, having kids would be so hard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think, so I think it's evolved a little bit from like, man, maybe there's a lot of kids out in the world that need love and I could do that. And, oh man, I don't envy you parents. You got a tough life. (laughs) Yeah. Kids have tough life. Right. Yeah, I can, I can relate to to all of that. Yep. Have you ever felt, um, judged or stigmatized for not being a mom? I don't think so. I think I live in a pretty progressive city and I have lived here for about 12 years. So the friends that I've made have been child-free for a long time too. And I have older friends who are child-free and have been a part of their community and their friend groups and just witnessed a lot of adults now in their 40s that don't have kids. And so I didn't feel pressured. When I stay in my bubble here, I don't feel pressured to have kids. Mm. I think the only time I feel, I don't even know if I feel judged. I think as someone in the helping industry or fields, the only time I feel a little judged is when I work with parents and they want to know that I can empathize with them and they want to trust that I'll understand what's going on. 
And so I've had people push me on that a little bit. Mm. And generally I can bridge that if I can relate to the emotion they're experiencing. Like I know what it's like to feel hurt or betrayed or heartbroken. I know what it's like to feel exhausted. I don't know what it's like in their context or their specific experience, but I can generally relate to people through the emotion, maybe not what's going on. Gotcha. Yeah. That's really interesting. And also, you know, it's interesting the way that you're able to bridge the gap there is just so true for any person to person interaction, right? Like even you and me, like I can never know what an experience is exactly like for you because of your backstory and your lived experience and your, like, you're just, have a different experience than I would maybe in that exact same situation. But what am I trying to say here? Just that that's beautiful that you can relate in that way. And I feel like that is how we, even those of us who have similar experiences are still relating on the emotion. Um, because even our similar experiences aren't the same. Yeah. I don't know if we've mentioned that I'm a therapist, um, let's throw that in there. Yes. <laughs> Explicit. Yeah. I mean, most of my job is to listen to people and reflect the emotions and highlight what I see going on. And that's not all we do, obviously, but so much, and so much of what you do too, is listening and empathizing. And that yeah. goes a long way. Yeah, for sure. I just want you to know that regardless of what happens in the future, that we're in a place in our mid thirties where we don't have kids and we are friends on the level that we're friends is exciting to me and that we get to keep dreaming of things we want to do. Like those, all of our pipe dreams that we've had for (laughs) small businesses and travel and activities, like we still get to keep doing that. Yeah. There's nothing that's impeding that. We just get to do it more because we're (laughs) more mature and have more money. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like like have dreams of going paddleboarding with you and kayaking with you and hiking and you know traveling abroad and learning all the gluten-free bakes I can learn like I have all of these hopes for things we still get to do together and there's no real other life circumstances that are gonna pop up that we know about that are gonna slow that down for any reason it will happen like stuff will happen they won't all be that beautiful and awesome, but just that we get to keep doing that is so cool. It is. That is such a good point. And I love that you brought that up because even so let's see, it was two weeks ago that mm-hmm. I was, we were together in Asheville and yeah, even then, you know, we were dreaming and scheming up some new business ideas. And, and I think that for the first time, like it's becoming a bit more real that we can make these happen. And I'm really excited about that. And also I have dreams of, um, paddle boarding and maybe living closer to you. Um, (laughs) it's on the record now. (laughs) I got proof. (laughs) Yeah. So that is, such a cool perspective and so true. Like there's no, we don't have to hurry up. I mean, I want to hurry up because I just want to live the reality of these dreams, Yeah, but there's no, like, we have to do it before 
a kid scenario occurs, you know, there's always that pressure in timeline. I think where people sort of might have to speed up their dreams or put off their dreams around children. And now nah, we just get to get to keep dreaming, dreaming. Yeah. We just get to do this stuff. Yeah. Just cool. <laughs> it is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other thing we talked about while you were here is that we love our partners and our families and our communities. And there's still needs that those people don't meet in our lives despite their best efforts (laughs) but to have you in my life and hopefully closer like while we don't maybe have all those needs met by like kids or future adult kids as we age like we have each other yeah and the like maybe the fun holiday things I'd want to do if I had a kid I could do with you Right. And you witness me and I witness you. I don't need to produce another generation that can witness me. Yeah. And so you, like, I live in your memory and you live in my memory. And we also have that connection as people worry about, like, what's going to happen when we get old and can't take care of ourselves as much. It doesn't solve all those logistical problems, but just that through our friendship, we can like carry on each other's like beauty and excitement and will kind of regardless of what happens that's just kind of dark and cryptic but I think that was beautiful <laughs> I'm like I think that's absolutely beautiful yeah yeah, and yeah thank I'm you yeah me too <laughs> <laughs> this is what we do <laughs> an inside look yeah <laughs> cry together a lot <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And it was really cool to, when we were together and talking about, okay, what would it be like if we actually lived in the same town again? Cause we haven't had that experience since we were 18. Yeah. If that 17, 18, and we still have like a lot of interests in common and those that we don't necessarily share with our partners and to get to like, be able to go to the concerts together or go paddleboarding and, and still live out those parts of ourselves that we love in connection with someone is so exciting and so cool. And it's just been like, I think I was starting to say earlier and maybe didn't expand on, um, to quote David Rose, I am continuously impressed by you and I I feel like, yeah, like always inspired by you. You know, I'm still here living in a small town and you got out pretty quickly and have just sort of, to me, just been really adventurous and independent and sort of always had this like sense of who you are that I really admired let alone just admire you, but yeah, I, you've been an inspiration and like a role model to me. Um, so yeah. Yeah. That means so much, honestly, I'm like very touched by that (laughs) and you make it sound like I had a lot of intention (laughs) doing all of that rather than that. It was very aimless. (laughs) (laughs) But I, 
I appreciate that like you can recognize in me that I've been like searching and trying to figure those things out like who I am and where I'm supposed to be and that it can be different than maybe one version of what we were handed as kids where we grew up and I see that so much in you too of like just witnessed you be from like go from like so quiet and people pleasing and like not wanting to take up space that's my perception of how it has been and I've been like that too lots like I think we were taught we were both probably taught in our like Christian Midwest backgrounds to like not cause drama not take up space not get into trouble Mm -hmm. right go with the flow (laughs) save face all those things so it makes sense yeah we've been like that and over the over years I've seen you like keep trying to figure out what you want and try and when you don't want that when you figure out you do something else you don't stay stuck Mm. and you like venture out and you're creative and you're still trying to like I think you're figuring it out but I mean you're still expanding on that and growing in that and I only hear your voice get stronger and stronger just that you're doing this podcast blows my mind it's so (laughs) cool that you're like a voice in a community that's so much bigger than us is so cool for me and I'm so proud and honored like proud of you and honored to be your friend at the same time Thank you. Now I'm crying. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And to be witnessed feels so incredible. Um, yeah, like honestly, I do feel like I didn't know I, I was afraid to take up space before. And sometimes I'm like, what the heck am I doing now? Like, who is this person? And for you to say that back to me, um, cause I don't always know if how I felt is how other people per- like perceive me. I think you're a very incredible in tuned friend who, um, and you know, can relate to some of the things that are conditioning kind of created, um, yeah. patterns in us. And yeah, I think, yeah, just thank you. <laughs> and I do feel like you have, I've always felt like, I don't know, maybe like, I feel like some of your deconstruction happened before mine. And, and so maybe sometimes I feel like looking back, you know, I just wonder how much I've learned from you without even realizing it in the moment, if that makes sense. So yeah, thank you for being that influence in my life. <laughs> we'll just keep going back and forth if we like, fire, <laughs> fire <a> out. <laughs> no, I love you. No, I love you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think part of the like quiet Midwest background that's still in me is like it's just hard to take a good compliment and just let it sit. Yeah. To like just acknowledge my actual influence over something yeah else. yeah I don't I do that a lot I don't know parents if you do that a lot but right. you, you have to but it's weird yeah it's, it's weird and it's nice when it is positive yeah <laughs> right <laughs> true not everyone is happy about how I've changed <laughs> oh yeah 
Yeah. And it's been cool too, to see you like, you know, you just recently got a master's and a career change and it was really inspiring to witness. And also just, you continue to do work that has such an impact. Like you mentioned, you've worked your adult career with people who have had some form of trauma one way or another. And that's a high burnout field to work in or work or, you know, that's hard work. Um, I think you've sort of switched roles and capacities of how you've worked with trauma people, but, um, I think it just speaks to how much you care and how, you know, that's a legacy right there, how you treat people or how you care about people here and now. And I think you do that so well. And, um, yeah, it's just been really cool to witness. Thank you. Thank you so much. I think one thing that's helped me with the martyrdom piece of that kind of work, Mm. which is very present again, is just knowing that at the end of the day, you're my friend and you don't care what I do. Like I can get caught up in the minutia of my work and the details of it. And, you know, be thinking of that late at night and not sleeping and getting anxious about deadlines or something. Mm-hmm. Or if I start to have fear of like, oh, what if I mess this up? What will happen to me? <laughs> what about my reputation in town? That kind of thing. I can get so caught up. My fears and anxieties can get so caught up in those kinds of things. And then I like stop and think like, I have people in my life who do not care what I do. What I do is not directly impacting them. They're going to be my friends at the end of the day. And so I feel really lucky that I have that like social safety net that my worth isn't my performance. Mm. And like your friendship reminds me that my performance and my worth aren't the same thing. It's still really hard. (laughs) Yeah. It's still really hard, but yeah, I have more, my friendship with you over the last 20 years helps remind me that I have like any worth. Mm. It isn't tied to what I do or what I make. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important. Yeah. And likewise, I mean, I've been all over the place in terms of career and our friendship was never based on that, on what I did for work. And maybe one day we're both going to just quit our current jobs and have a food truck. So that could still be coming. (laughs) (laughs) We really... Put the food truck life on a pedestal. <laughs> it does sound good though. <laughs> I think we just want to eat out of the food truck. Okay. I don't know if we actually want to run a food truck. <laughs> Maybe you do more than I, I think do. you're right. <laughs> we just really want to like make food and eat it ourselves. Um, and travel. So and get paid it's for like, that. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. That's true. That's true. All the side hustles. <laughs> Yeah. Jokes aside, (laughs) you bring up a really good point that it's easy, can be easy to get caught up in, you know, proving our worth in some way where, whether it's what we do for a career, you know, whether or not we choose to have kids, um, when really we're all worthy as a human being, like we have worth just existing 
and we don't have to prove it. And it is when you find your people and they accept you, like I have been gifted with your friendship for 20 years to be an example of that. Um, yeah, it's, it's really powerful and a really great reminder. Yeah. I feel so lucky. It doesn't feel real sometimes. Oh, <laughs> I think being good friends with someone is so vulnerable. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm sure I like them more than they like me. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm sure they're cooler than me. And <laughs> I gotta, I gotta play it cool. Um, <laughs> but with you, I just feel really, especially since we just saw each other and we don't see each other all the time, just feel so loved and so cared about. And mm. yeah, that does a lot for like my soul, mm. my well-being to know that. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. Something I guess I'm curious about, like when, when did child free first become a concept to you? Hmm. And to think about it. I'm not sure. I think it was gradual. Yeah. I can't think of a moment that it happened. Like, oh, I'm part of this group. Yeah. Um, I find myself in a lot of rooms through grad school and work where I have to do a lot of icebreakers. And remember someone saying, like, the icebreaker was, like, write something on your name tag that other people don't know about you. And I wrote that I wasn't going to have children. And that was a real conversation starter. <laughs> cool. How was it? That was just a couple of years ago. But yeah. How was it received? Like, how did those conversations go? I think it was received with curiosity based Good. on the room that I was in. Yeah. But that one got attention. It wasn't something people expected me to, me to put on my name tag, <laughs> for instance. And yeah, it feels like such a big part of my life as an adult woman. Like I'm not going through these different rites of passage. It's like how people identify, you know, women our age, just like without knowing anything more about us. Like, are you a mom? You're not a mom. What do you do for a living? That kind of thing. And yeah, it was, I guess, surprising. Yeah. I love it. That's what you wrote. That is so cool. Yeah. And for me, I don't think it was a concept until a little over a year ago. Yeah. 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 Did you find that having the label helped you? I, I guess so in terms of finding people and feeling less alone in it, even though, I mean, we're both child-free friends, but just like, yeah, I think knowing that there were, there was a larger community out there, um, in that sense. Yeah. Cause I remember even my first post, I got it wrong. Uh, in some sense I had written, let's normalize the choice to be childless or something like that. And then I was kindly made aware through comments that I think what you mean is child-free by a few different people who commented, but that post went crazy, um, in terms of the other posts that I'd made on Instagram. And so that was really cool. It was very educational <laughs> for me, mm -hmm. uh, learning the distinction between the two terms. And then also just like realizing that there was a whole community out there, um, 
was really cool. So yeah, I think it has been helpful to have the term. Yeah. Even though it is interesting that it still centers on children, but it seems related to some scarcity abundance issue that we haven't figured out yet. Yeah. (laughs) I think people like boxes. Yeah. Cause I would say for me, it's not that like, I mean, there are like a few kids in my life via some friends and my niece and nephew, and I genuinely enjoy time with them. It's more for me, like I'm mother free, I'm motherhood free. Like I don't have the responsibility of caring for children or the impact of that, or have to deal with like all the stuff that comes with motherhood. So I get what you're saying. I want kids. I want there to be kids around me in my life. I want to engage and celebrate them and enjoy their company and the things that only kids can do and see in the world. And I don't want to be a mom. That word freaks me out. We've talked about that too. Yeah. I got pets recently and my partner and I very briefly called each other like their mom and dad. And that was just too weird for us. We just couldn't do it. (laughs) Yeah. The label was, it did not sit. It did not feel right. (laughs) Even though we're talking about our cats. They're my babies, but I'm not their mom. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But yeah, like the identity or thinking of myself as a mother does freak me out. I don't feel the word mother or being mothering is, I think, often perceived as like nurturing, right? Or synonymous almost with nurturing. And I don't necessarily feel like a nurturing person, or that's not a word that really resonates with me. I feel like I'm a caring person, but I don't know. There's something that there, it just doesn't sit with me. And I, I, yeah, I don't know, maybe because they're too synonymous for me that I don't want those labels. Yeah. I don't know what the definite like dictionary definitions are like how different they are, but to be caring or empowering seems a lot better that you'd rather be empowering than nurturing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And maybe they're kind of the same thing and they feel different though. Yeah. Empowering does feel better. Good distinction. I think I've never really imagined myself as a mom in the actual role. And when people ask me if I have kids, I'm like, where did you get that idea? (laughs) (laughs) You look at me and you're like, she has children. (laughs) Like, how, how did that, how did you think that? Yeah, right. And I guess it's not an unreasonable thing to think. I just look at myself and I'm like, who would think that I have kids? (laughs) I'm a very responsible adult. I'm not like out there partying or anything. We are old people now. (laughs) But like, why would you, why would you think that? I don't feel like that's in my being. Yeah. Were there any child-free people in your sphere growing up? Yeah, not by choice, but my aunt had a child who passed away. And so during my lifetime, she was child-free. Again, not by choice, but I knew her as a single woman most of my life. And she was close enough geographically that she, we slept over at her house sometimes and she took care of us and Mm. 
not all the time, but you know, she was in our lives. She's the first person I think of at least. It definitely seems like there's a growing movement, right? That more people are opting out of parenthood or delaying parenthood. Have you seen a shift in this movement around you or in your circles? Yeah. Again, I'm fairly fortunate for where I landed after college. It's I ended up in a community where there are a lot of child-free folks. And so it's not unusual. Mm-hmm. And I think my hope for people is that they had a chance in adulthood to kind of figure out who they were a little bit before they had kids, before they got married, maybe even. Mm-hmm. And not that you have to do that or you can't do that at the same time. I think I just look back at some people I know that got married really young and my, my hope for them is that they have had that chance to figure out what they want in life and ask different questions and take on different perspectives. And that's just my selfish want for people to be able to do that. So whatever timing works out for folks, like cool. And I know that it gets harder as you get older, there's more barriers and bullshit you have to jump through. And if people want to have kids, I hope they have that opportunity to do it. And I hope that people also have, feel like they can have the flexibility and the space to figure out a little bit about themselves. God, I'm so glad I'm not locked into any choices I made when I was in my twenties. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. Besides the choice not to have kids. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was there any ever like any internal struggle for you around this choice? Yeah, I think I've asked a lot of the questions that I know you've talked about on this podcast before about, will I regret it? Um, Mm. Is that, is having kids the deepest love I can ever experience? And am I missing out on that? What does that mean for my family, larger family, not to have kids, that kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think those all point to how much you have thought about this have you worked through those are they still kind of coming up for you I think with family and maybe some friends now there's um some credibility in those choices now that I'm in my 30s or just enough time has passed yeah that they have given up yeah (laughs) and there's less Uh pressure they're yeah. not asking about it anymore, right? They're not right. asking like, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? It's just like, okay, <laughs> or not. So, yeah. or they're going to be surprised or pleasantly surprised if those things happen, but they're not asking anymore. So I feel less pressure because there's just time has passed. Yeah. And I feel like I would not feel like I have to save face as much as I used to. That's one thing I appreciate about having moved out of the Midwest is that <laughs> I feel like I can communicate a little more directly. I moved to the South, so it's not like way better, <laughs> but, <laughs> but different enough <laughs> right. from small town Midwest to here. But I feel like I could say that and just let them have to sit in it a little bit. Um, yeah. 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 And I picked my battles. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't 100% know I won't regret not having kids. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know. That's not a good reason. That's not a good reason to go for it to me. I really like this Robert Frost poem, The Road Not Taken. And it's such a stereotypical poem to like, because it's like the poem people read at graduation ceremonies. And it's, you know, famous for the person in the poem took the road less traveled by and that made all the difference. The whole rest of the poem is about this person at a crossroads who can't make up their mind. And there's no discernible difference between the roads. And my oh. interpretation of that poem is that they get to the end and then they look back and then that's what they said about their life. That's mm-hmm. what they said about their journey. It's in hindsight <laughs> that they made sense of it that way. And maybe there was, there was an actual distinction, but they didn't know that for three-fourths of the poem. <laughs> they didn't know. So I kind of think of it that way. Like, I get to make all these choices. I'm going to have to make sense of it at some point and process it later. But I get to decide what version of that story gets told. Maybe that sounds like an escape or something uh, from the reality of that, the consequences. But I think I get to, I get to write my own like nuanced version of how that happened right? Probably with a lot of my own therapy, (laughs) (laughs) friendships to help me. But yeah. But yeah, I don't know. (laughs) You get to assign the meaning to your decisions and to the life that you chose. And I, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And that get some literary folks that have a different interpretation. (laughs) (laughs) No, I like that. And I think that it's a really empowering way to look at the question of will I regret it or not because I do think that that is one of the biggest questions that those who are opting out of parenthood wrestle with and and are also constantly told that they'll regret it and I think what you just spoke to is so true and empowering because it is a reminder that we hold the power of whether or not we regret it is really how we think about it. Um, and in, in some sense, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. My hope is that, that I accept the decisions that I made, regardless of how they work out, right. not to excuse how they work out, but mm. that I'm accepting the reality of it. And I don't live in the past too much about with them, I'm not replaying that choice over and over again, or, yeah. Feeling stuck in it that I can say like with the information I had at the time, these are the decisions I made in life. I hopefully try my best, but I'm imperfect and <laughs> this is what happened. <laughs> Here <Yeah>. we are. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's way messier than that, but <laughs> I hope that I hope that I do have a life that has acceptance in it and that I give that to myself and help others with that too I don't want to like sit and wishing something had been really different yeah yeah that's beautiful if you had any advice for the listeners or any wisdom to share what would it be um be friends with Anna (laughs) (laughs) oh On maybe a more serious note, although I was serious about that, to the to the point of ambivalence and sitting with and not knowing, 
ambivalence is really uncomfortable and I want people to know that I see that and I see how uncomfortable it is and confusing and it's not a like most people don't like ambivalence about anything it's just really uncomfortable and with two plus years of COVID we've been sitting in ambivalence like on a different scale and so just to give yourself some credit it's okay if you don't know today it's so okay and there's not a right or wrong choice you get to make that choice it'll be okay either way I can't say that is true totally true for you no matter what but oh we put so much pressure on it being so black and white and it's just not we can't predict how life is going to turn out I can make a lot of fear-based assumptions about how life is going to turn out but and as much as I still do that I don't want to do that and so I hope other people don't have to sit with that too much but just know that ambivalence is okay. It sucks. It sucks so much. <laughs> but yeah. Like sitting with it is kind of, is part of the process. Yeah. And again, I know it sucks. Uh, yes. So in working with people who have experienced trauma, which is different, maybe different um, from what we're talking about, there's so many well-intended support people that I've encountered who just want the answer to what's going on to be really simple Mm. and it's not and of course they want their loved one not to feel suffering or they don't have capacity to take on that vicarious trauma like it's much more nuanced than that right but that advice to just be like you'll figure it out it'd be okay or I guess when people get really advice giving to people who have experienced some kind of trauma and what I've witnessed it generally isn't very helpful when it's just like just have kids or just don't have kids you know when someone's trying to make that decision for them and just to get them out of the uncomfortableness of the unknowing yeah I don't know how helpful that is some people maybe do need a little push and guidance to like say what they mean to like have feel the permission to do to say the thing that they already know is true somewhere in them right but kind of that like dichotomous decision-making is so hard. And it sounds like what you're doing is, you know, in what you shared earlier is honoring the reality, right. Of their experience and being on the receiving end of that. I think when I've been in an uncomfortable place and someone validated how I felt like whenever someone tells me what to decide or how to decide in that moment, I shut down. But if someone validates how I feel, I feel seen. And it, I feel like that is what helps me kind of take the next step, um, whatever that is, or be able to maybe voice something to help me get to the next step. And I think, yeah, that validating or, or, or honoring where someone is or reflecting, um, like, you're in ambivalence and that sucks. It's frustrating. It's hard. And not just, well, just decide you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. I feel like if it was easy, people most likely would have figured it out already. Yeah. And it's hard. It's a hard choice to make. Mm -hmm. And so to not know or not feel hundred percent makes total sense. Yeah. It's, It's a big decision a big decision. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this. 
You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Oh, my absolute pleasure. My gosh, I was looking forward to this so much. (laughs) You're amazing. You're amazing. All right. Thanks, friend. Hey, don't go yet. I have something really exciting to share with you. I created a community for child-free people. That's right, a place for us all to hang out, get to know each other, and become friends. So if you could use some more child-free friends in your life, please come hang out with us. It's like we have our own private social media network. Inside the club, we have weekly virtual meetups via Zoom. We have a community feed with ongoing posts and discussions so we can continue our friendship outside of our virtual meetups. And down the road, we're going to have in-person meetups and take these relationships offline and in-person. So if you want in, head to wnk-club.com. That's wnk as in we're not kidding, dash C-L-U-B dot com. I can't wait to see you in the club. Uh-huh.